0: one if you remember i think it was on father's day we were in joshua chapter one i think that might have been the last time i spoke here um i've just been kind of reading through it meditating on it and hopefully we can try to glean some things from it again this morning i do apologize for being away it's kind of what it's like in the summer with camp ministries, things like that. In a couple of weeks, Ed and I will be gone again. Uh, you can be praying for us. We'll be um, part of a family camp over at Pine Much Bible Camp. Uh, this is going to be unique in that uh, this family camp, um, the focus is mainly unsaved families. So there are actually going to be people families that come uh, who do not know the Lord. And so we're kind of, we're praying that God will do a mighty work there um, in reaching some of these families. But... You'll be praying for us. That's in a couple weeks. Uh, it's a family camp weekend. Family camp weekend. So. Um, but Joshua chapter 1. Uh, we're just going to read a few verses here. Beginning in verse 7. Joshua 1, beginning in verse 7. Only be strong and very courageous that you may observe to do according to all the law which Moses my servant commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left that you may prosper wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid, nor be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. And the Lord will bless the reading of his word yet again. Let's just open in prayer. Our Father, thank you that you're the God who lifts up the hands that hang down. And uh, Lord, thank you too that when I am weak, you are strong. And so uh, even though I may be tired, even though I may be inadequate to (laughs) deliver uh, your word this morning, thankful that you show how big and how great and how mighty you are by using the weak things of this world. And so we pray that you would speak mightily uh, through me to each one of us here this morning, and we ask this in Jesus' name, amen. Um, if you recall from back a uh, couple months ago, um, is that uh, the stage here is this, is you got the people of God, remember, it was supposed to be just a two-week trip from Egypt to the place that God had promised them, and it said it took 80 years, 80 years of them wandering around the wilderness because they disobeyed God, they lacked faith, they grumbled, they complained, all these things, Right? And so now you have this whole new generation, right? All these kids from those parents who were not allowed into the promised land, uh, the land flowing with milk and honey. They're all standing here at the Jordan, at the Jordan. And uh, I tried to describe to you last time that the Jordan at some times of the year was very passable, right? But at this particular time, you can look at uh, chapter three, verse 15. This is the flood season, okay? And uh, I want to just describe to you a little bit more about this, the river Jordan, Okay it's important to understand some things about it because God is asking them to cross over it. Okay, it's kind of a big deal. Uh, This river starts at Mount Hermon, which is at an elevation of 7,000 feet. By the time the river ends, it actually ends at the Dead Sea, which was 1,200 feet below sea level. Okay, the distance from the beginning to the end was about 70 miles, but if you count all the twists and turns, it actually traveled about 200 miles. And so in the springtime, when the snow would melt, the water in the Jordan would flow very rapidly. In fact, it would, escating, uh, they said, around about 25 known rapids on the Jordan River. Uh, some have pointed out that the name Jordan in Hebrew actually means river that descends rapidly. Now, normally, as we said, it's pretty easy to cross uh, the Jordan, but flood season was treacherous. Okay, Uh, in fact, during this flood season, again, at the point now where God is asking the people to cross over, um, it would fill actually a larger second area. So normally, not in the flood season, this, this area would be dry. But in the flood season, it would actually fill in this other area called the Zor Gorge. In some sections, the distance across would swell to over two miles. On top of that, the banks of this gorge are essentially perpendicular, like a, like a cliff, okay? So it's important to note, I want us to understand here, that God is calling his people to cross the Jordan when it is precisely at its most dangerous and when it seems absolutely impossible. And so we looked at, too, last time we shared this, I'll remind you again, is that the Jordan always represents or serves for us as a boundary, a boundary between what the Israelites presently had, right, and what God had promised them on the other side. And so I'll ask you again this morning when I asked last time is, what's your Jordan River today, right? What barriers are you facing in your life, okay? For the Israelites, people of God, it was a physical barrier. It was the Jordan River at its most dangerous time to cross it. Practically impossible to cross, but God was asking them to cross that barrier. What is your barrier? Right? Where is it that God is asking you this morning to take a step of faith? And if you're not sure what that is, you know, maybe you want to ask yourself this question What am I afraid of? What am I afraid of? Your fear will tell you what that obstacle is. What is that barrier? And again, we said symbolically in Scripture, the Jordan always represented a decision, a decision. And so as we're going to look through here this morning, right, there are moments in our lives, even now, right, where we have decisions to make. We have decisions to make in this journey of faith, right? And sometimes there's barriers in our way, and and we have to make a decision, uh, just like the people of God here. And so hopefully we can glean a couple principles here uh, that would help us. Also I want to remind you too is that in verse uh, eight that we just read, uh, it's the only time that that word success is translated in the Bible. Right? Um, I guess another question I would ask you this morning is do you want to have success right Or I put it this way, do you want to have a successful uh, faith right a journey right I think all of us want to be successful for the Lord, right We don't want to be a failure. Right? We want to be, have success when it comes to God's uh, will. And so we're going to look at just five principles this morning. And the first one is this. When we're facing that barrier, what it is that, whatever it is in our lives right, that God wants us to cross over, right, the first thing is we need to cultivate courage. Okay? We need to cultivate courage in our lives. Over and over again, Right, he's told, be strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous. In fact, in one of the verses, he says what? Be very strong and very courageous. You see, uh, um, Joshua, at this point, is about 80 years old now. He's 80 years old, right? And now he's called to lead the people of God across the Jordan. And he's in no doubt scared, right? He probably is maybe uh, uncertain. He might feel a little insecure, Right? Up until this point, Moses has always been the man. Right? But now Moses is dead. Okay? And so we read here that he is told to be strong and courageous. And in verse 7, be very courageous. You know, these words sound very similar to the words that were spoken to a young Timothy by Paul. In 2 Timothy chapter 1 verse 7, he says, Timothy, for God has not given you a spirit of fear, but of power. And of love, and of a sound mind. Whatever you are worried about right now, God wants you to have courage to confront that issue. Okay, cultivate courage. You know, <clears throat> you remember the story of Ruby Bridges. Um, so there was a time where the New, or- New Orleans passed a law that now all African American children could go to the public school, and uh, obviously. Uh, There were many people who were upset about that. In fact, uh, what they did was many of the white people there would actually um, make uh, threatening, uh, make threats towards anybody who would go to that school. And so what happened was when the first day of school came, there were no other African-American children who would go to school. They were too scared. And in fact, uh, there was hardly any um, Caucasians either that went to school because of the threats that were made. There was only one girl who came to school that day. Her little six-year-old, Ruby Bridges. Some of you may have seen the movie. If you haven't, I recommend you see it. Uh, But Ruby Bridges went to school all by herself. She had to be escorted by two guards in front of her, two guards behind her every day at 5 of 8 in the morning. And she would come to school, and she'd learn there in that quiet, empty school every day. You know, uh, Harvard professor Robert Coles, he was curious about what went into the making of courageous children like Ruby Bridges. He talked to Ruby's mother and he reported what she said. Here's what Ruby Bridge's mother said. She said, There's a lot of people who talk about doing good and a lot of people who argue about what's good and what's not good, but there are other folks who just put their lives on the line for what is right. Notice here in uh, Joshua, In the same chapter, if you look later on, this is uh, pretty cool to me, is that not only is Joshua told by God to be strong, to be courageous, right? As I said, Joshua, I'm sure, was feeling a little scared, feel a little uncertain here about what's happening here. But notice this, too. He then, uh, so when he addresses the people of God, they answer him. Look at verse 16 of chapter 1. These are the people of God now, right? They've lost their Moses. Now they're looking to Joshua, and they answer Joshua. They say, all that you command us, we will do. And wherever you send us, we will go. Just as we heeded Moses in all things, so we will heed you. Only the Lord your God be with you as he was with Moses. Whoever rebels against your command and does not heed your words, and all that you command him shall be put to death. Okay? That's pretty good, right? And then they finish with this. Joshua, only be strong. And of good courage. Okay? I think it's pretty neat that they promise to follow his leadership and then they tell him not to be afraid. So here's God urging Joshua to be strong and courageous, and then the people around him are actually cheering him on as well. You know, I think it's important um, to, to note that even as God is telling us here, hey, listen, whatever it is, whatever issue is in your life, that you are called to face, right? God says this morning, hey, listen, you need to cultivate courage, right? You need to be courageous. You need to be, you know, have courage. But I think it's important for us, brothers and sisters, too, that we rally behind them, okay? That is so important, okay? So many times, right? That's that's what we want to do. we be like, hey, listen, I'll be praying that you are courageous, brother, <laughs> right? When, and this year, you can see the people saying, Joshua, we'll follow you. We'll go with you. Hey, Joshua, be strong for us. Be courageous for us, right? They um, whatever you are worried about right now, whatever it is that God is asking you to face right now, God wants you to have courage to confront that issue. And we, I'm saying this, speaking for all, we want to rally behind you. We want to rally behind you. Okay. Courage is important. We need to cultivate courage. Uh, I'll give you a, a story here, which is very encouraging is, um, I don't know if some of you have heard of Gladys Elward. Gladys Elward was a missionary in China, smallest little thing, tiny little woman, and she just always felt that God was calling her to China. And so in 19, I think it was 32, Gladys Elward was in China. In fact, she, uh, what ended up happening was there was a lady who was uh, in charge of an inn, and she was looking for someone to come help her out. And like I said, Gladys always felt God wanted her in China. So every little penny she had gave her enough to get over there and not get back. And she went over there and she helped her with this inn. Very short time after that, the lady, the owner of the inn, died. And now here's Gladys Elward with this inn all by herself in China, not knowing why God has her here. But there was one particular day where, uh, so anyhow, God had given Gladys Elward uh, opportunities Uh, She was actually, um, at one point, they were giving her the job of um, inspecting people's feet. You remember the the Chinese then would um, wear those small shoes in order to make their feet really small. And then the government had said, hey, listen, they banned that. And so they gave her the opportunity to go from house to house checking for the government there to make sure. And so she said, fine, I'll do it for you on one condition, that I can share with them Jesus Christ. They said, we don't care what you do, just make sure that they, they're not doing that anymore. So it's amazing, right? So she has this connection. But one day, the Mandarin comes up to her and uh, says, listen, you need to come with us right now. She's like, okay. And so she follows them to the local prison, and she can hear the screaming that's going on in the prison. And so the governor of the prison says, Mrs. Um, Alward, we're so glad you're here. We need you to go into the prison and stop the riot that's going on. There's a riot between all the prisoners inside. And uh, she goes, okay, why don't you send your soldiers in there? He says, well, if we send our soldiers in there, they'll get killed. She's like, there's no way they can go in there. She goes, if I go in there, I'll get killed. And they said, no. They said, we've been hearing you tell everybody that the God you serve lives inside of you. And so we know that if if you believe that's true, he'll take care of you when you go into the prison. So now what's she going to (laughs) do? Right? So little Gladys Aylward, little tiny little girl, she walks into this prison. As a riot's going on, and she says she sees dead prisoners everywhere, wounded prisoners everywhere, and men running around with knives in their hands. As she walks up, this huge guy is running after her with an axe, coming right towards her, right? He gets to about a few feet from her, and then he stops, and he just looks at her. And at that moment, other guys in the prison they all stop and look, like, who's this little lady <laughs> that's here? And then, whatever reason, by the Spirit of God, Gladys Elward looks at this man, she goes, yells at him and said, give me that axe right now. You know what he did? He gave her the axe. And the other ones, he called them over and told them to give them their knives. And she noticed, she went from being angry to actually feeling sorry for these prisoners. They were uh, starving. They had nothing to do. And um, so... She started to talk to them and say, hey, listen, why are you killing each other? And they said, listen, we're hungry. She goes, we have nothing to do. In fact, she said, we don't know why we're killing each other. And she says, listen, she goes, if you promise me, and she's saying this to these prisoners who just killed each other, she goes, if you promise me to stop fighting, to bury the dead, and to care for those who are wounded, I promise to go talk to the governor about better conditions in here. And sure enough, they did. <laughs> They did. And she actually went to the governor and said, listen, I'm going to come back here every day. You make sure each of these guys have a job so that they can feed themselves and keep themselves busy. And that's what they did there in China. Little Gladys Elwood, right? And so we need to cultivate courage in our lives, right? We may not be facing what Gladys had to face (laughs) that day, right? But whatever it is, whatever that issue is, right? God wants us to have courage. And also, I think we should rally behind each other. Right? And encourage each other. The second thing is not only should we cultivate courage, but the second one's really simple. Only obey. Only obey. You see, disobedience in a small thing is never a small matter. I'll say that again disobedience in a small thing is never a small matter. Do you remember why Moses was not allowed to cross the Jordan? Right? He wasn't allowed to enter the land of promise, right? As a result of Moses' angry outburst, right? He smacks the rock twice instead of speaking to it. That's a little thing, isn't it? That's not a big deal, right? But because of that, he was barred from the promised land. In Joshua chapter 1, verse 7, we just read there, he says, Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right Or to the left. And then in verse 8, be very careful to do everything written in it. Listen, uh, church, assent is not sufficient, okay? God is looking for consent, okay? He's looking for us to consent, to obey. That's what God wants. Do you find yourself making excuses for your sins? Determine this Lord's Day. To say something like this God, since you've said it, I'll do it. Or since you've said, don't do it, I won't. (laughs) It's that simple. Only obey. Don't make obedience optional. Obedience is not an option. Psalm 119, uh, verse 60 says this I will hasten and not delay. To obey, I will hasten and not delay. To obey, is there anything that you've been putting off that you know God is telling you to do right now? You know, Arabian horses—they're trained rigorously in the Middle Eastern deserts, uh, and the horses must learn to fully obey their masters, and so their obedience is tested. By depriving the horses of water for many days. No water. And then they turn them loose near water. And so as the horses get to the edge of the water, just before they drink as, uh, of the much needed water, the trainer blows his whistle. If the horses have learned to obey, they turn around and come back to the trainer who then gives them as much water as they need. The trainer knows what his horse needs and will not allow them to die of thirst, but they must trust him, right? Do you believe this morning that God knows what you need, and God wants to supply it, but he needs you to trust him. He needs you to obey him. God's not gonna let you die, you know, whatever that thing is that you're dealing with, right? As difficult as it may be, right? He knows what you need, he knows what you need. There's a reason why you're confronting that issue. There's a reason you're going through it, right? He just wants you to trust him. Trust him. Only obey. Obedience is not optional. Um, just as far as uh, along those lines, there is a, a story here of Hudson Taylor. Many of you know uh, Hudson Taylor was a missionary also in China. And he was preaching Ningpo for a year. And the Chinese were polite uh, and enjoyed gathering together to hear Taylor speak. Uh, Discussing new ideas was fun for them, but no one seemed to take the gospel seriously. No one believed it. And then after one message, when Taylor felt like uh, giving up, a respected man stood up and turned to his Chinese countrymen. He said, I've been searching for the truth for a long time, he said earnestly. My grandfathers, before me, searched for the truth, but they never found it. They traveled uh, wide looking for it. They looked for it in Confucianism, from Buddhism, um, but they found it. Taylor looked at the man with new interest. He knew that this man was a leading officer among the Ningpo Buddhists. What was he saying? Was he saying that his religion gave him no peace? But tonight, said the man honestly, tonight found rest i have heard the truth and from now on i am a believer in jesus hudson taylor could hardly believe his ears could it be true a short time later the man proved his sincerity by taking hudson with him to a buddhist meeting and giving his testimony soon one of the man's friends also became a christian and was baptized However, a few nights after the man accepted Jesus as his Savior, he asked Hudson Taylor a very hard question. How long have the people in your land known about Jesus? Oh, hundreds of years, answered Hudson Taylor. What? said the man in amazement. You knew the truth for hundreds of years, and you didn't come tell us? He says, my father searched for the truth all his life, and died without finding it. Why didn't you come sooner? Only obey. Maybe that one thing that you need to have courage with this morning is sharing what you know about Jesus Christ with one of your family members. Maybe it's your neighbor. Maybe it's a co-worker. Maybe it's a random stranger. I don't know, but you know God is calling you to share what you know You know the truth. There are people all over the world searching for the truth. And you have the answer. Only obey. The third thing we notice here, not only do we need to cultivate courage and only obey, but we need to stand by and sanctify. Stand by and sanctify. You will see in Joshua chapter 1, verse 11, it says, three days from now, you will cross the Jordan here to go in and take possession of the land. So here they are. They know they're going to have to cross over the Jordan. And Joshua tells them, hey, listen, it's going to be in three days. It's going to be in three days, which is kind of interesting, right? But in three days. But then notice what he says in chapter 3. Look at chapter 3, verse 5. So it's the day before they have to cross over. And Joshua says this to the people, sanctify yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. Sanctify yourselves. um, Or consecrate yourselves. This word is very interesting uh, to me. When he tells them to sanctify themselves or consecrate of themselves certainly the word uh suggests separation which many of you are aware of right to consecrate or to, uh, or to sanctify means to separate right but interestingly the word also means shining shining and so i think there's something to be said here is that when we give ourselves fully to the lord right we not only separate ourselves right from selfish desires or worldly thoughts or whatever it is, right? We want to sanctify ourselves, right? Separate ourselves. And when we do that, we end up shining to those around us. And the other thing I think it's important to know when it comes to this is that sanctification must come before service, right? God was going to do a mighty work through the people of God. They were going to cross this raging river. They were going to go into a land with giants, right? Right? And God was going to give it to them. They were going to do something miraculous. It was going to be amazing. Right? But before that, they've got these days here where they're told to sanctify themselves. Separate yourselves. Because I think being right with God is our ultimate priority. Right? While they're waiting for that third day, they must separate themselves. You know, it's calming for God, right, to ask His people to wait patiently. It was interesting, I was amazed how many times in Scripture God tells people on the third day, on the third day, on the third day. Uh, we read it even in this story here, um, the third day, but I was thinking of um, in uh, Esther, Esther's story, finally where Mordecai says, listen, you've got to go before the king. She says, okay, in three days I will go talk to the king. Right, in Hosea, there's three days, right? Jonah in the, in, the, in the fish, right? He's in the fish three days, right? But the greatest of three days is what? Jesus Christ, right? He went into the grave and three days later rose from the dead. And so it's common for God to ask his people to wait. And as they wait, right? I think this is important, especially for the people of God here. Imagine this. They're sitting there waiting. It's one day, two days, three days. And here they are just looking at this raging river, right? That they know, okay, in a few days we're going to have to cross that, right? As they wait, right, they have a growing awareness of the human impossibility of what God is calling them to do. There's something about when you sanctify yourself and you wait before doing something for God, in that moment of separating yourself, you realize, wait a minute, I can't do this. It's impossible. God gives us those times where he says, hey, listen, I need you to wait. Before you go do that, wait patiently because I want you to see that. You know what? You can't do it. You're going to do it through me in a while, but I want you to realize that first. I don't want you to go ahead and do it right now because then you're going to start patting yourself on the back and saying, look what I did. But there's something about separating yourselves, right, that helps you grow the awareness of, listen, the human impossibility of what God is asking you to face or what God is calling you to do. You know, in those three days, right, where they're called to sanctify or separate themselves, right, the river is not getting any lower. The river is not getting any slower. They knew that there were giants on the other side. And they probably started feeling like grasshoppers again. You remember their, their parents, that's what they said. They said, listen, we're grasshoppers to these guys. There's no way we can beat these guys. And so the process of sanctification, I think, can be compared to an iceberg. Right? Many of us know that 90% of most icebergs are underwater right? And so, as the sun shines on an iceberg, the exposed part melts, moving the lower part upward. In the same way, we are usually aware of only a small part of our sinfulness and our need, which needs to get dealt with, right? And we can only deal with it uh, at one time, okay? And so, however, as the light of God's work in our lives changes us in the areas that we know about, we become aware of new areas needing the work of God. And so I think it's important for us as we want to do for God, right? Or if you feel God's calling you to do something, it's good for us to separate ourselves, right? And to make sure we are good with God. Make sure we're right with God, right? Make sure there's no sin in your life that needs to be repented of that needs to be forsaken right we need to make sure right that we understand what it is that god wants us to do john newton says this he says i am not what i might be i am not what i ought to be i am not what i wish to be i am not what i hope to be but i thank god that i am not what i once was And he says, and I can say with the great apostle, by the grace of God, I am what I am. Man, you don't come to that realization until you separate yourself, right? Get alone with God, right? And the fourth thing is this. Not only do we need to cultivate courage, not only do we need to only obey, not only do we need to um, stand by and sanctify, but we need to move when God moves You see, the key word in Joshua chapter 3 and chapter 4 is the word ark. The word ark actually appears 16 times in just those two chapters. It says here in verses 3 and 4 of Joshua chapter 3, it says, When you see the ark of the covenant of the Lord your God and the priests who are Levites carrying it, you are to move out from your positions and follow it. Then you will know which way to go since you have never been this way before. As we know, right, the Ark of the Covenant represents who? It represents the presence of God, okay? That's why they had to carry it with them. That's why they had to put it into the Holy of Holies, right? That's why only the Holy, uh, the High Priest, could only once a year enter into that area. But it's a place where God would come down and descend in, a, in a, a pillar or cloud, right? But the Ark of the Covenant represented the presence of God. And he says, listen, not until you see that Ark move, do you move. Or else you won't know where to go. You've never been here before. You've never done this before. Wait till God moves and then you move. Here's the principle, right? We should only move when God moves. The priest went where they were sent. It's as Henry Blackaby stated in his book, Experiencing God. He says, too many times we ask God to bless what we're doing, when instead we should join God in what he's doing. (laughs) Did you catch that? So many times, right? We ask God to bless what we're doing when God along and say, hey, can you just come do what I'm doing? (laughs) Let's resolve to only go where God goes and to only do what God is doing. And then lastly, the last thing he calls them to do is to wade in the water. <laughs> I think it's very it's striking to me that God does not stop the river, right? Until the priest's feet hit the river, right? He says, hey, cross the Jordan. Here they are carrying the ark. And they get to that raging river. Remember, as I said, it's like steep too. It's like perpendicular. That as they kind of looked over the edge and the raging river, they say, okay, God, here we are. You can You can stop the river now. <laughs> No. God never gave him any indication of that. He just said, hey, listen, take the, tell the priest to carry the ark and step into the river. In verses 15 and 16 of Joshua chapter 3, it says, yet as soon as the priests who carried the ark reached the Jordan and their feet touched the water's edge, the water from upstream stopped flowing. And because... It's at flood stage, and the gorge was filled with water. The perpendicular cliffs probably made stepping into the water very precarious. (laughs) I wonder if the guy in the front turned to his buddies and said, Hey, I went first last time. (laughs) Right? One of you, it's it's your turn now. And they all knew that gold doesn't float. (laughs) Right? Imagine that you're carrying the Ark of the Covenant covered in gold. Right? But here's the deal, right? If you focus on the flood, you'll fail to step foot into the fray. God didn't want them to focus on the river, on the flood, right? Just do what I tell you to do. And so as they were 10 feet away, the river raged. One foot away, and they could probably feel the water spraying up into their faces. One inch away. And the mighty current showed no signs of letting up. But as soon as their feet touched that first wave, the water receded. Are you stuck right now? You know, as I said, that there's something that God has wanted you to confront. God's calling you to do something, whatever it is, right? And you're just stuck. Maybe it's fear. Maybe you're afraid, right? Maybe you're uncertain, right? The lesson here for us is this. The best way out is to take a step forward. (laughs) Take that step. Yep, it looks really treacherous. It looks dangerous. It looks like you're going to get hurt, right? But God is calling you to take a step forward. Some of us may be too lazy or too uncomfortable to step into the water. We must believe. Then we'll see. God wants us to believe, right? God wants us to have faith. He wants us to trust him with what he's called us to do. We need to tell God that we'll follow. Then he'll lead us. But we got to tell God, God, I will follow. Or are you waiting for the waves of life to calm down before you trust him? They may never calm down. That may be what God has for your life. <laughs> is raging waves, perpendicular cliffs, whatever it is. But God's called you to follow him. Do you want to follow him? He wants to lead you, but you've got to be willing to follow. God wants you to take the first step. It's only then you'll see his power displayed in amazing ways. And so in just conclusion, cultivate courage. Right? Whatever you are worried about right now, God wants you to have courage to confront the issue, and we want to rally behind you. We want to rally around you, too. Tell you, listen, be strong. Be very courageous. Also, only obey. Right? Is there anything that you've been putting off that you know God is telling you to do right now? Obey God. Okay? Obedience is never an option. It's not, it's not optional. It's not optional. And then stand by and sanctify, right? When we give ourselves fully to the Lord, right? We're separated from selfish desires and we end up shining to those around us. And then move when God moves. Instead of asking God to bless what you're doing, join God in what He's doing. And lastly, wade in the water. Don't wait for the waves of life to calm down before you trust Him. Take the first step. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, we thank you again um, for your precious word. Uh, we pray that you would just give us courage uh, to do what you've asked us to do. Help us to take that first step, Lord God. Um, help us to rally around each other, Lord. Uh, whatever it is that people may be going through, maybe it's a difficulty in their marriage, maybe it's difficulty in parenthood, maybe it's a difficulty with tragedy or sickness or um, isolation, loneliness. Um, Lord God, there's so many things that, that we confront all the time in our lives, uh, Lord. And so we just pray that you help each one of us uh, as you've called us to these things, Lord, that uh, you would help us with some of these principles, Lord, uh, that we could be, uh, do these things for you and be prosperous and have success uh, in this journey of faith that we're on. So we ask all these things that you may be glorified in and through our lives. Um, we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.